Hey everyone, it's Leslie Ludi, host of the Set Apart Girl podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. And today we're going to build on last week's episode, which was on true honesty. And we're going to be talking about what it means to go from defeat to victory in our Christian lives. Because under this banner of honesty, we so often use that as an excuse to wallow in our sin and accept defeat and mediocrity as normal in our lives. And yet that's so opposite of what the gospel is intended to do in our lives. Maybe some of you have read the story of Oswald Chambers who wrote My Utmost for His Highest, which is one of the most famous devotionals in Christianity. And he was such an incredible inspiration to the church when he was alive. But he tells a story of when he was a young Bible college student. People looked up to him. They thought he had his act together. They thought he was such a spiritual person. But he was at a church service one day, and he was struggling so much with just defeat and mediocrity in his Christian life and feeling like he was really living a hypocritical lifestyle, like preaching about victory, but not really having victory in his own life. And so God led him to get up in a meeting and confess that he really wasn't living victorious Christianity, and he knew that there was more to Christianity than what he had experienced. And he had grown up in the church. He was a Bible college student. He was looked at as being so spiritual. And yet, and people even thought that he was getting up to just give them an example of what they should be doing. And he said, no, I got up for no one else but myself. I need to to ascertain what true Christianity is. There's a power in the gospel that I have not yet realized in my own life. And after that confession of where he was at, he began to pursue that something more that was missing in his Christian life. That lack of power, that lack of victory that he felt every single day. And what's beautiful to me about that story is that he didn't just stay in his defeat. He admitted his defeat. He brought it to the light and he confessed it to his brothers and sisters in Christ. But then he began to ask them to pray for him and begin to really go after the truth in scripture and got counsel from other godly people. Okay, what is missing from my Christian life? And if you want to read the whole story, just read his book, Oswald Chambers Abandoned into God, which is the biography about his life. It's a very powerful book. But I want to talk about that example because the life that he lived during his early days of Bible college, that double life where he was speaking a lot of lofty spiritual things but living defeated behind the scenes, is very similar to how many modern Christians live. It's so easy to just go to church as a duty or an obligation to read our Bible, go through the motions, sing the worship songs, and even evangelize and share the gospel with others, but cleverly conceal the whole time a bondage that we're harboring in our heart, whether it's to sin or doubt or apathy or just defeat in our lives, lack of intimacy with Christ. And so a lot of Christians have become far more defeated than victorious. And it's gotten so common that it's even to the point where a lot of churches and even Christian books have redefined Christianity to be sort of like a journey of doubt and aimless searching rather than the procession of world-changing triumph that God intended it to be, as it says in 2 Corinthians 2.14. Many of our church worship services are often filled with songs that declare things like, I'm a mess, God, but thank you that you love me anyway, rather than songs like the old hymns that say, what an amazing, transforming, victorious work you have done in my life. If you compare a lot of the modern worship songs to the old hymns, sometimes you'll see that difference 
difference where so much of it is focused on defeat and sin and failure versus triumph and victory like what you see in the old hymns. I'm not definitely not against modern songs, but it just kind of shows the trajectory of where a lot of Christianity has gone in the past few decades. Christian bookstores are overflowing with books that just try to help Christians cope with their disillusionment towards God and their bondage towards sin. And a lot of modern Christian music artists sing these really, you know, mournful, soulful tunes about living these sin-laden lives, but accepting God's unconditional love in the midst of it. So Christians who dare to say that they have found victory in their spiritual lives are often mocked and sneered at by other believers. I remember reading a, quote, Christian book on relationships where the author actually mocked single Christian women that she'd met who had said that God had given them peace and joy and contentment in their singleness. She wrote in this book that she walked away from those conversations, rolling her eyes, saying that these women were just simply being hypocritical and failing to be honest about how truly miserable they were. She was completely convinced that they were just lying to her face. And that kind of contentment and joy and peace is actually not possible in the Christian life today. Not only are there countless Christians living in defeat today, but so many are beginning to mock and hinder and ridicule the ones who aren't. It's sort of like the words that Jesus spoke to the Pharisees in Matthew 23, 13. He says, you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men for you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering in to go in. Sort of like misery loves company. Those who are living these defeated lives want everybody else to live that defeated life as well. And because there's such a widespread acceptance of defeat and bondage to sin among Christians today, it's really tempting to accept that as normal in our own lives. But as it says in John 1, 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So we may fool those around us into thinking that we have a genuine relationship with God, but we can't fool him. If we proclaim to know Christ, but we're walking in darkness, we're allowing sin to rule us, we are simply living a lie. Now, that doesn't mean that if we have any speck of sin in our lives, our Christianity is a joke. Of course not. We talked last podcast about walking in the light as he is in the light and and walking in the light does not mean living in sinless perfection and never stumbling again. If you want to know more about that, read Philippians 3.12. But when we're controlled by any kind of sin, whether it's open sin or secret sin, then we haven't really grasped the power of Christ in us, the hope of glory. And we're letting darkness rather than light rule over us. A lot of Christians that I know have come to this conclusion that the epic visions of triumph and victory presented in scripture are nothing more than poetic sounding, larger than life ideals, kind of like those inspirational posters that maybe you see hanging up at the doctor's office or the dentist or the gym, you know, where it's like all motivating and it's some profound statement. It's like designed to just give you a mental or emotional little boost. You might be mentally or emotionally moved by the beautiful promises or righteous standards presented in the Bible, but very few of us actually expect to live them out in everyday life, at least not on a regular, consistent basis. But as I've said many times on these podcasts, God 
God does not give us instructions that he won't enable us to carry out. I think that the first time I heard that was from Elizabeth Elliot, and I've used it so many times because what he calls us to, he equips us for. So if we are living defeated, sin-enslaved lives, then the fault is with us, not with him. Because God does not tease us by making promises to us that he doesn't intend to fulfill. Look at Numbers 23, 19 for a little bit more on that. Instead of accepting defeat and mediocrity as normal, God can enable us to follow Oswald Chambers' example and experience the amazing victory of a supernaturally transformed life, exchanging failure for faith and darkness for light. As Oswald himself said, when you know what God has done for you, the power and tyranny of sin is gone. I love that because he clearly did not just get up in that church meeting confess that his spiritual life was defeated and leave it at that. He pursued that victory and that power that was promised in God's word. And he said, once he finally grasped it, the power and tyranny of sin was gone from his life. Now, this kind of transformation cannot happen through human effort. Even the very best of human effort won't get us there. It's only possible through the enabling power of God. And Oswald Chambers once wrote, when we deliberately choose to obey God, he will tax the remotest star and the last grain of sand to assist us with all his almighty power. That is an amazing reality. And it is so much better than sitting around moaning and groaning about our defeat and our doubt towards God. If you long to be free from the control of sin and you want to put hypocritical living aside and walk in the light as he is in the light, then here's the key. You must know and understand what the gospel really is and let it change you and transform you from the inside out. Let's talk about that for a few more minutes so you really understand what this means. So maybe you've read scriptures like Proverbs 31 that talk about the virtuous woman or 1 Corinthians 13 that talk about the attributes of unconditional love and thought to yourself, how could anyone ever really live that way? And I think the reason we so often have those thoughts flit through our minds is because we don't see a lot of people living that way. And maybe we've never lived that way in everyday life. And there have also been so many messages in popular Christian books in recent years that have come out with basically the sole purpose of assuring us that the standards of the Bible aren't really achievable. So we should just all stop feeling guilty about not attaining them. And like I just got done saying, God does not give us instructions that he won't equip us to obey. The Bible is not meant to just be some inspirational book of poetry. It is supposed to be something that is real in our everyday lives, the promises of God, the power of God, the victory over sin. So where does the discrepancy come from? Why is there always such a big gap between the power of the cross and the majesty of the gospel as it's presented in scripture and the mediocre reality of our daily lives? Why do we not live out what we're seeing in the word of God? And I really believe that the reason we see this discrepancy is because we've lost our understanding of the enabling power of God. The message of the cross is so much more than simply knowing and believing the truth. It also means that we can now be supernaturally equipped by God's enabling grace to live a victorious life that would otherwise be impossible. Not necessarily a sinless life, but a life in which sin and doubt does not 
control us and overshadow us. When we try to rise up to God's standards without truly understanding the enabling grace of God, then we for sure are going to run into a brick wall of failure and disillusionment. And I think that's where a lot of the books come in and the messages. People who have tried to do that in their own strength, they become disillusioned, they've failed, and now they're proclaiming that you know this is just what's real in the Christian walk is failure and disillusionment. But when we're really transformed and we understand God's grace and we allow that grace to truly overtake us and enable us to reckon ourselves dead to sin, then we can confidently declare along with Paul, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me in Philippians 4.13. That verse is not just supposed to be about, you know, I can lift weights and run a marathon through Christ who strengthens me. It's supposed to be, I can live out this impossible gospel life through Christ who strengthens me. So whether God is calling you away from sin and worldliness, or maybe from legalism and self-effort, the solution is still the same, Jesus Christ and him crucified. So when the life of Christ, the spirit of Christ dwells within you, when you truly understand the mystery of Christ in you, the hope of glory, the power of God within you to will and to act according to his good purpose, then you have the power to be holy as he is holy, like it says in 1 Peter 1.15. You don't have to be enslaved to doubt or sin or be helpless against the temptations of the world. You can be set apart for him. You can walk in victory not because of your own righteousness, but because you are clothed in his. I love this quote from Evan Hopkins. He said, think about what it is we really possess. If Christ is in us, all power, all grace, all purity, all fullness, absolutely everything to make all grace abound towards us, in us, and through us are stored up in him who verily dwells within us. That is the reality by which we need to live. Because of the work of the cross and the enabling grace of Christ in us, we have the power to reckon ourselves dead to sin and alive to Christ. So if you hear the voice of God's spirit nudging you towards greater levels of purity and consecration and set apartness for him, beware of hiding behind the excuse, oh, that's not possible. I'll always be weak and sinful. I can't expect anything more. Even these Christian leaders don't expect anything more. That kind of logic is not based in the word of God, and it will be toxic to your spiritual life. Andrew Bonnar said this, it is more humbling for us to take what grace offers rather than to bewail and bemoan our wants and worthlessness. And that is so true. Rather than sitting around wallowing in our sin and our worthlessness and our hopelessness, to simply and humbly receive the power of God's transforming grace, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Just imagine if our church services could be filled with Christians who really understood this. We wouldn't be wallowing in defeat and frustration and singing songs about what a mess we are. We would be rejoicing and marveling at the triumphant, amazing, supernatural, victorious, and soul-altering grace of God. Because of the amazing work of God in his soul, Oswald Chambers went from a defeated, frustrated Christian to one of the most joyful, triumphant, and world-impacting ambassadors for Christ in his generation. So if you have ever been tempted to believe that the transforming work of Christ can change everyone else but you, consider the following words that marked Oswald's tombstone when he was laid to rest. How much more will your heavenly father give 
give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. So here are some final thoughts that I want to share with you. Receiving the supernatural power to walk in the light as he is in the light is not a complicated process. It's not something that's only reserved for a few special people in God's kingdom, but rather as Oswald Chambers' life proved, it's a simple matter of asking our father for his unspeakable, amazing gift, his grace, his enabling powerful grace to live the life that he's called us to live and then wholeheartedly receiving what he's offered. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. If you would like to take these truths deeper in your life, I encourage you to visit our website, braveheartedchristian.com, and look at our new personal discipleship program. This is an opportunity where you can come to Colorado, be personally trained by Eric and I and our team, and then have 100 days of online coaching and mentoring and biblical teaching that can truly transform your life and put your feet on a solid rock of what the gospel really is and let it change your life. You can also visit setapartgirl.com and look at the many resources we have available there through our articles and magazine. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.